Kia ora koutou. welcome to Tech Bytes for February 2024, first time this year. I'm really excited to be talking to Saba Samiai this month. She's an innovator, an entrepreneur, she runs her own AI startup, and she's been part of our Flint team. I really hope you enjoy the conversation we have. Well, kia ora everyone, and welcome to 2024. This is our first episode of Tech Bytes at the end of the, the first week in February. It's great to be here back with you again, you know, talking to uh, a wide range of digital leaders. And I'm really excited about our first one this year. Uh, good to talk to you again, Saba. I mean, you're an incredibly busy and can I call you young entrepreneur? And maybe we'll talk about that later. Um, now that some of our listeners will know you, um, you've been part of Flint, our leadership group in Auckland, you know, several years ago now. Um, you've spoken at least at, at least at one of our conferences. I, I I was trying to think how many, but I didn't I didn't go back and count. But that's okay. Um, which means you've packed a lot in um, from what you've done um, over the last little while. But would you mind introducing yourself a little, including what you're doing at the moment, and and maybe just give us an example of some of the things you're involved in outside of that. Sure. So kia ora, everyone. Uh, thank you, Craig, for having me. Very excited to be here. Um, start of 2024 too. So wishing everybody who's watching or listening to this uh, a great year ahead. Uh, in terms of introducing myself, yes, I'm Saba Sami'i. I am the founder and CEO of two AI startups. One is Maxo Technologies. The other one's Comfort.ai. Um, and what do we do? So at Maxo, what we're doing is creating a, a platform that basically makes intelligence portable and allows different sensors to act intelligently. So we can dive into basically what that means and what are the use cases. And with Comfort AI, I mainly do um, education um, and sometimes I help investors doing uh, doing due diligence on AI startups that they want to invest in from a technical perspective. Um, outside of that, what do I do? Not much. <laughs> These two companies um, are my babies. They take up a lot of time. Uh, so, yeah, outside of this, I might do some, I don't know, cooking or reading books and just the usual stuff. No, no, acti no exciting activity. Oh, really? Okay. Well, look, um, I know you well. You've got quite a journey to get to this point, and so maybe you could tell us a little bit about where you where you've come from, um, and then a little bit about the key skills you've learned along the way and experiences you've had on your journey. Sure. So, uh, ooh, I don't know how far back to go. Um, but just so everybody knows my background, originally I am from Iran. I left Iran with my family when I was 17. I went to India. I lived in India for about six years. And then I moved to New Zealand in 2012 as a student doing a postgrad uh, diploma in computing. And then I was hired by IBM where I did a lot of um, basically infrastructure work, sorry, project management work. Uh, for one of their clients. And then I was hired by that client, which is Westfax. So we did a lot of infrastructure work and then a transformation. And then I went into cybersecurity and then Microsoft. And uh, then I basically quit the corporate world and I started my own company. Um, 
In terms of skill sets, uh, it's very wide range of skill sets. Obviously, technical uh, was one of the the core skill sets for what I'm doing. Um, you know, especially in terms of like giving uh, the companies that I have a direction. Um, you know, managing engineering teams. Um, and had it not been uh, working alongside those engineering teams, now managing um, a team would have been very, very challenging. Um, the other uh, set of skill sets, mainly soft skills, resilience was one of them, um, getting used to making mistakes and failing and learning from that, and then um, standing up on my feet and just continuing was another um, and then also really kind of learning who I am, what I believe in, how to, and then believing in myself as well um, and my vision. And um, I've always had a passion for um, things that leave a big impact in the world. And I think for me, discovering artificial intelligence that gave me that plus the technical satisfaction uh, was a game changer. So, yeah, that's my background and the skill sets in my journey. It's a pretty interesting journey. And if anyone gets to talk to you about that, it's um fascinating and uh, just all that background. And and you talked about, you know, you became aware of this thing called AI. And and I know you and it, you know it was way before the rise of Chat GPT, you know, which was all last year's technology. But can you tell us a little bit more about why you're so passionate and you got involved in that specific field of technology? Sure. Um, it basically yeah, goes back to the point I, I just mentioned, which is I've always wanted to do something that lasts beyond my lifetime. Uh, and that started with me wanting to get everybody out of Earth because I knew our son was going to die pretty soon when I was eight. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, just seeing everyone's reaction and laughing at me. And uh, interesting thing, I didn't give up on that idea. Uh, but I kind of went through like a really long journey of like understanding what sort of skill sets, um, I need. I wanted to become an astrophysicist as a kid. And, um, there is a whole story about how that did not happen, but my passion for astrophysics kind of continued. And as I was reading a, a great book called the grand design by late Dr. Stephen Hawking, um, I fell in love with his ideas and his theories. And then I came across his warnings about artificial intelligence. And I had heard a little bit, you know, about robotics and I'm a computer science graduate, but back back then AI wasn't wasn't as uh big as it is today. So it wasn't like something that everybody talked about. Um, but that point when I started like reading about um Stephen Hawking's warnings about AI. I then started researching what that means. And then funnily enough, I went and watched a movie called uh, Transcendence, that Johnny Depp movie. And it came out of the cinema and I decided to go back to university and like really get stuck into artificial intelligence, mainly the ethics aspect of it and the the importance of it and the impact it has on the world. And um, that master's degree was uh, basically a... a what kind of enabled me to really dive deep into artificial intelligence and then I absolutely fell in love with it wouldn't go back wouldn't change it for anything else oh hey so so that's your passion 
obviously, we can hear it. Um, and you kind of followed that passion in a more normal corporate career. I mean, you were lastly at Microsoft. Look where they are now with Copilot, et cetera. But what was it that led you to leaving that sort of trajectory and stepping out to start your own business? Yeah, um, I am a kind of person that sometimes going towards often gets called crazy. And, uh, and I think I love when I hear that from people, I see it as a compliment. Uh, for me, that's because I like breaking boundaries. Um, uh, as one of my, uh, supervisors in my master's degree mentioned, learn the rules like a master so you can break them like an artist. And I really love that, but the corporate world is, is good. But I think for me, it didn't allow me to be as creative as I wanted. A lot of the ideas that I came up with either had to go through a very long approval process or would have been very disruptive to the business because, you know, it was an already set up business with a strategy, with a direction. Um, and so I kind of felt like in all of my jobs that I started with like a great challenge in the beginning of the career when I joined that company and then I would go up and up and then it plateaus. Um, and I thought, well, what else can I do that would continuously give me that challenging environment and also enables me to kind of bring some of these um, ideas into reality? And I realized that to do the only way to do that was um, to start a, a company uh, pitch that idea to to people who would want to join me on this journey, whether they are investors or employees of Maxo. Um, and and then, yeah, basically take a risk and see what happens. So, yeah, that's why. Yeah, cool. Hey, it's not a topic of conversation today. I don't want to go into it, but it'd be interesting to have a chat to you at some stage about um, and maybe we'll do it in a different environment around, you know, how you did get funding, because I know that, um, you know, you, you can't do these things without money and you can't do it really well unless you get a decent chunk of money and people supporting you. So we'll talk about that another time. But because I wanted to pick up a comment on your LinkedIn profile, we it's quoted and you say, I want to make artificial intelligence everyone's comfort zone. It's a really interesting way. And you've called your one of your startups, Comfort AI. So what does, that, what does that actually mean to you and what values of yours um, like have driven that perspective that you have? Yeah, I think so. That mainly came from my master's research. Um, my, my research was about why is artificial intelligence talked about or perceived as a dangerous technology? Um, and I knew there was a lot more to it than the Terminator movies um, or iRobot and all these kind of sci-fis. Um, and one of the things that I came across was that there is um, a lack of knowledge, in-depth knowledge about artificial intelligence um, while it's making its way quite quickly into our everyday lives. And one of the core values that I have is I love sharing, whether that's sharing knowledge, sharing about my culture, sharing my food. Um, I've always loved that because I feel like the more um, you share, the the more you have. You know, I think it's 
usually people feel like if they start giving things away, it takes things away from them. But for me, it's the other way around. I feel like I, I have more because now I have more people around me um, with that, you know, same level of knowledge or enjoyment. And so, um, and then also one of the the dangers that I discovered um, as part of why is AI perceived or talked about as a dangerous technology is that lack of knowledge. Now that could be an end user using an AI product. It could be an investor investing in AI companies, um, or it could be big corporates adopting certain um, AI tools. And a lot of that comes from, you know, a marketing hype, you know, whether it's a stunt um, and, and particularly outside of the tech uh, or digitally native um, companies, you know, anything in like the primary industry, whether it's uh, manufacturing, ag tech, anything outside of, you know, technology, um, I saw that danger and, and I thought, well, you know what? Um, I'm going to start somewhere um, and hopefully other people will start picking things up as well. And and I know there are other companies that do AI education and it makes me super, super happy to see that. And uh, yeah, I hope that I can educate as many people as I can through both companies. Mm. Cool. That's so cool. All right. Hey, um, I want to come back to your journey because I think it's fascinating um but i do and i know that you want to be known for your achievements and quite right rightfully so you should be known for that but we do know and we've talked about this before you know women are underrepresented across all areas of tech and particularly in leadership roles i mean and you're the ceo of a startup company so can you talk a little bit about how you found that journey to being a ceo of a well-funded startup as a young non-pakiha female yeah, that's an that's an interesting question, and I do get asked that a lot. Um, the reality is, for me, like the answer I have to questions that include any sort of labels, is the only way I can tell you how different my journey would have been, how much more difficult or how much easier it would have been, is if I relived the exact same journey as a. Um, you know, privileged or white male, right? The the typical, you know, stereotypes. But I can't do that. So I can't tell you if it would have been easier and I can't tell you if it would have been more difficult. What I can tell you is that I did notice, I have noticed that regardless of what your difference is, when you are different in an environment, you do get a different treatment, right? I started um, doing a lot of, you know, social volunteering work since I was very young, since I was 13. And I ended up being the youngest of many groups and many initiatives that I did. Um, and then when I moved to New Zealand, um, a lot of times I was the youngest uh, around a room. I was the only female around a table. Um, and and I was the only foreigner or immigrant around the table too. Um, and I think for me, that pivotal point of um, basically moving on from these labels came from when I realized that if I believe in myself and I don't see myself as different, 
then people's behavior starts to change as well. Certain mindsets and biases you can't change, right? And it's sad, and they do exist. Um, as a female, I have experienced sexual harassment. Can I say that doesn't exist for men? No, I can't, right? Um, but I have experienced it. As a young person, I have seen many times not being taken seriously. Does that mean if I were a little bit older and had the same idea that it would have been taken seriously? I don't know. Um, but I think for me, it's when I stopped caring about about the labels. Like I don't call myself a young Middle Eastern female founder. I call myself a founder. And, and that's who I am. And anybody that wants to give me any advantages or disadvantages because of things that I didn't choose in my life... Um, they're wrong. Like I would, I would leave it up to them. But for me, when it comes to um, any sort of compliments, any sort of confidence anyone has in me, any sort of any anything that I get from anybody, I want it to be because of what I have done and what I've actively worked for, as opposed to things that I had no say in. Great answer. Um, but I do want to, I do want to hone in on this a little bit because you were involved with Flint, so you know where I'm going. Um, you know, we're trying to encourage young women in particular to develop their careers in technology and get into leadership. So could you take, is there any words of advice you would give to, you know, Wahini around helping develop their careers? Yeah, I think um, one thing I always say when I get invited to speak to a group of uh, people, especially young women, is that I always tell them, you can't choose what you hear, but you can choose what you listen to. So choose that very carefully. And if you really believe in something, it doesn't matter what everybody else says, just you know, put your heart and soul into it. And even if you fail to succeed, you know, failed so many times and then all of a sudden you, that's fine but don't give up don't give up too quickly because you will fail and and you need to take that as a as a step forward not a step backwards cool thank you i suppose i mean that's that's general advice we could give anyone really but yeah. certainly you know uh, particularly for women that's important okay look i like to finish these conversations up with a couple of broader questions um you know, you are, we'll call you a digital leader because you are in the AI space. You are leading the way. Um, we have the aim of New Zealand being one of the top 10 digital ready nations. You know, what big ideas should our country be focusing on, do you think? I think if there is anything I would ask anyone in New Zealand, government, um, entrepreneurs, investors, corporates, students, is... Uh, take bigger risks. That is something that we don't see much here. Um, something that has, you know, a lot of people start doing things that have worked in the past, you know, certain investments, for example, like real estate or, you know, things that have already been proven, like you want to bring them to New Zealand. That's great. But if you want to be a leader, do do things that nobody else has done, even if that means there's a greater chance at you know, failing, that's fine. But take that risk, take that leap of faith. Um, and 
And then everything else about New Zealand, I, I, I always say New Zealand has an unfair advantage compared to the rest of the world because uh, we are a smaller nation. That means, you know, the adoption by, you know, the entire country can happen a lot quicker. Um, we are quite far from, you know, certain regions of the world. So we have the chance to, uh, you know, enjoy this peace and quiet as opposed to the noise, whether that is, you know, unfortunate events like certain wars, um, whether that is, you know, the level of competition, healthy or unhealthy that's going on. These things create a lot of noise. We don't have that in New Zealand. So let's take advantage of that um, and like really focus on some really big, great ideas uh, in the world and then bring AI here start educating everybody, start bring it to schools, start educating students about what this technology is, what it can do for the future, what it, what it is doing to them right now. Start educating their parents, start educating the the leadership um, teams of you know different companies and corporates. Um, start making some changes into the education um, industry, you know what is being taught in universities and how it's being taught. Um, start breaking some of those boundaries and you'll see magic happen. What's your dream job? Or are you um are you doing it already? <laughs> oh, I love I love this question. I saw it was like, I do not dream of having a job. Um <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, no job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, no, I think I think what what I'm doing, I love what I'm doing. I think for me, um a dream scenario for life is something that uh, continuously challenges you and helps you grow. Um, I think for me, when I get to that, again, plateau stage where it's like very comfortable, um, you know, where it's very safe, that's when I get uncomfortable and a little bit, you know, on edge and I'm like, okay, what am I doing with my life? But for me, it's being in an environment where it's constantly, you know, and it, it is a high stress environment, don't get me wrong. Um, it's not I acknowledge it's not for everybody uh, but for me for me it's good it's it helps me grow which which I like excellent excellent is there anything else you want to add any comments you want to make before we finish up um no no I think we've covered uh everything unless there is anything that you wanted to kind of like dive into but um no I mean have a look at our websites reach out if you have any questions um yeah so where, where can people you find you coming up uh linkedin linkedin's the best way um to to get in touch but um also keep an eye on some upcoming events uh both for maxo and comfort um where we're going to talk about you know specifics of the technology um you can learn something from it and then you can take something from it and and apply to your your job or your projects. Well, Saba, it's been a real ple pleasure and a privilege to spend time with you. Thank you for taking your time out. I know it's incredibly busy, and um, it's just wonderful to be able to talk to you again. And look, everybody who's listening in, you know that uh, you can watch this on our YouTube channel. You can listen to it audio on just about every podcast platform. And look, hit the subscribe on the on either of those platforms so that you'll know when they come out. The tech bites this year will be coming out at midday on Fridays. Um, you'll get notification and you'll 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 be able to listen in. So uh, thanks again, Sava, and I wish you a very successful 2024.